Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, church. Um, you have a reputation, I've heard, of being a alive church, a very alive church. I need you to live up to that uh, reputation this morning. Because of Philip and Jojo and uh, our middle child, I think I had about three hours of sleep last night. So, um, but God still has a message in my heart for you. And I want to pray that that will come across and that there will be nothing that will keep that message from reaching your heart. So let's pray for that. Lord, you know that no man is adequate to do what you have called us to do when it comes to preaching your word. And as I stand here, Jesus, you know how inadequate I feel, which is right, Lord, because it is your word, it is you wanting to speak to your people. I pray that you'll do that. I pray that you will lead me, Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll empower me. I pray that you will speak through me. And I pray, Lord, that this morning people will hear your voice and that lives will be touched and changed ask for that in Jesus name and everyone said amen great that's a good start so you guys have been uh, busy with a series called Hark and for the last two weeks uh, you've been listening to paying attention because that's what Hark means you're listening you're giving attention to you're lending your ear to and you've been listening to uh, two people at least the stories of two people Zechariah and Mary and learning principles from their lives hoping that faith will be in part to your life. And so this morning, we're going to continue to, to listen to, give attention to uh, the life of Joseph and his obedience. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bible here, please open it with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. If not, then this uh, text will be on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. be reading from the ESV and this is where we um, where we'll find Christmas it opens like this now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these this so as he considered these things behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, up until this point. So Joseph, 
is Mr. Obedience in the Bible. Is Mr. Obedience in the Bible. We read of him in three accounts in Matthew here, and all three accounts he is just obedient to God's call. There's nothing that this guy does wrong. If you want to be like someone when it comes to obedience, this is the guy you want to be like. And so the first time we meet him is what we just read. The angel comes to him and says, listen, you want to divorce this woman? Don't do that, but take her as your wife, and she will give birth to a son. You used to call him Jesus. And he wakes up, and what does he do? He obeys. That's the first time we meet him. The second time we meet him is after the child is born, and Herod comes, a king in that stage, and, and he wanted to kill this baby, in the, uh, the baby Jesus. And uh, the angel appears to him again and says, you need to flee to Egypt. And what does he do? He obeys again. That's just what we see him do. And when we meet him the third time, he's in Egypt. And the angel appears to him and says, you should now go back to Israel. Because that's where Jesus was supposed to, to live and grow up. And what does he do? What do you think he did? He just has got a 100% track record of obeying. You want to be like him? Of course, we all want to be like Joseph. The Bible makes it very clear, friends, that you and I should highly value obedience there's a few scriptures i want to point out to you we should strive to be obedient john chapter 14 verse 23 says anyone who loves me this is jesus speaking will obey my teachings let me just pause there you know when i read scriptures like these sometimes i get i get discouraged let me read it again anyone who loves me will obey my teachings because there's so many times that I'm not like Joseph. There's so many times that I have a desire in my heart to obey God. Simple things, like spend more time with Him. I have a bigger desire for Him in my life. Not struggle so much when it comes to choosing between Him and Netflix. Why is there such a battle in my heart at least, and I'm assuming in yours? And so these verses doesn't always encourage me. And I think this message this morning... Is going to speak into that if you also feel like that when it comes to obeying God. I want to, the desire is there, but the ability to do that lacks so many times. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Matthew 7 26. Anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. We are called to obey. We should highly value obedience. Proverbs, the last scripture here, Proverbs 28 verse 9. If a man turns a deaf ear to my instructions, God says, even their prayers are detestable. We're called to obey, to prioritize obedience. Now here's a twist in this, and I'm going to take us down a different road than you might expect this morning. We should not overemphasize obedience. I choose those words carefully. We should not overemphasize obedience. Uh, we should not overemphasize obedience. You and I can idolize obedience. And what, I, what happens sometimes when we do that, we end up despising obedience. Because you put your whole heart into this and you make so much more of obedience than you should not not what the bible says but what you and i should do you make so much more of it 
it becomes an idol and God has to help you sort out that idol in your life and then many times we end up despondent and like we want to throw in the towel and say you know what let me just give up ever felt that way when it comes to being obedient I think this morning I have in mind to encourage people and I trust there's a few people here that need encouragement that have felt your zeal for Christ cool down though you've been really serious in pursuing him and you've run hard in obeying him but you haven't been able to live up to the standards in your own heart maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying is this what it's going to look like after everything that I've done for Jesus is this it I think so many times when it comes to obeying like myself other people end up being despondent um, not necessarily encouraged but I want to encourage you this morning to keep obeying God let me just read you I've got a, a lot of scriptures here that that simply means God is going to be speaking to you Galatians 6 says let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up if we do not give up my encouragement to you is that you will not give up obeying it can be very difficult obeying but my encouragement is that you will not give up I know what it feels like to say Lord I'm just gonna let me just kind of give over to sin but that, that's not the answer there's nothing found there's no life found in that if you and I keep on to Jesus keep holding on to Jesus that's the only place where we have life Hebrews chapter 3 says encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness sin has a way to deceive us the devil came to Adam and Eve and he made them believe something that they shouldn't have believed and their hearts became hard and I think sometimes and in this church this morning I think there's people that believe something about obedience that isn't completely what you should be believing about obedience and therefore our hearts turn hard towards obeying God it says in Hebrews chapter 10 do not throw away your confidence for it will be richly rewarded do not throw away your confidence when it comes to obeying Jesus because it will be richly rewarded I think a right view of obedience will help us sustain a long-term obedience you get that so it's not just obeying God as if you're running a hundred meter dash and then slacking after that saying I can't keep this up but this is a long-term thing you and I should be obeying him at the end of our lives even more than we did when we we became Christians but sometimes it's more difficult to obey him and still love him and still spend time with him when you have a few kids running around the house and you and your partner your spouse have you've ended up maybe in a quarrel or a fight and work pressures and a whole lot of stuff it's it's just more difficult as life carries on the encouragement is that we don't just start obey, obeying him but that the right view of obedience will help us sustain a long-term obedience so that's what I'm going to do the, the next few minutes I want to dig into that what is the right view that you should have of obedience when I prayed and prepared this message 
I really sensed in my heart that you guys are serious about obedience. I'm not sure if it's your pastor or if it's Philip that we send over here that sometimes like a machine and just say, you've got to do these things. But I sense you guys are serious about obedience. Disciplined. Just heard that you have a 21-day fast coming up next year. I'm so glad I'm not in this church. Hey. <laughs> There is a, a earnestness. But you know that you can miss what God wants you to have in the midst of that. It's not just your eagerness to obey God that you need to actually obey Him. I think there is a grace that God wants to communicate to your heart this morning. A grace that will enable you to obey. Not just a zeal. Not just a discipline, but a grace. And so therefore, I'm hoping that this might, might draw your thinking, your understanding to a place where you say, Oh, if I want to have a long-term obedient grace, this is how I should be thinking about obedience. So let's head into that. There's three things I want to mention to you. First of all, obedience will not produce an uncomplicated life. So you want to be obedient? Yeah? Be sure of this. It's not going to produce an uncomplicated life. On the contrary, it's going to bring a lot of issues into your life. We chase obedience. We hold it up high. But we lose momentum when we don't realize what it's going to bring into our lives. So let's just see what had happened in Joseph's life. Let's Joseph's life. Verse 25 says, When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Obedient. Amen. That's what we want to have. The next word says, He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. You know what that means? And I'm going to be a bit frank for the next moment or two. No sex on the honeymoon. No sexual intercourse for a few months after they got married. Now, friends, that's, that's kind of complicating things. <laughs> and, and he headed into this because of obedience. He had people that looked upon him in a shameful way because they were thinking that they had sex before marriage. And that was brought about by obedience. Because he obeyed God, his wife gave birth in a stable amongst animal dung. Because he obeyed God. Because he obeyed God, he had to flee because someone wanted to kill the baby that was born. Because he obeyed God, he couldn't stay with his family when he returned to Israel. He had to stay in Nazareth in a different town. Obedience does not bring only blessings into our life. You've got to believe this if you want to sustain obedience, that it doesn't bring about an uncomplicated lifestyle. On the contrary, some of us, young people, maybe you sitting here not being married, might think that if you sustain from, and I'm going to keep to this topic of, of sexual, of sex here. I'm trying to sugarcoat it, but... Uh, some of you might be thinking that if you have no sex before you get married, God is going to give you great sex when you get married because of your obedience. And I need you to know that might not be the case. You can have more issues 
in your marriage because you married as a virgin. I have a friend that I've been a virgin for a very long time and he's serious about obeying God and he, he led me into this secret. He said, Alex, you know that after years of suppressing what actually is natural to human beings because I wanted to live a holy life, when I got married, do you know how many issues we had with that because I suppressed the natural for such a long time? What I'm getting at here is simply this. Don't think that because you obey God, it's going to be uncomplicated. Your obedience doesn't have attached to it an easy lifestyle. You don't sign up for this just for the ease of it. You sign up for this for the glory of God. That's why we obey Him, not for the ease of it. Paul, man, he obeyed Jesus, and he had a lot of issues. Peter was just a fisherman, and then he decided to obey Jesus, and in a sense, he became an enemy of the state got to make sure that if you want to obey Jesus, you're ready for what it will bring to your sight. Otherwise, friends, we become despondent. Because we had dreams and thoughts and ideas of what this will bring about, this obedience. And then we look at God and we say, is this how you reward me? And then we back down. If you've backed down, you've backed down from being serious about your obedience towards God because you haven't met what you thought he will give you I want to tell you that I know what that feels like it's not a good place to be at what gets you out of that place is not your obedience it's not more Bible reading it's not more praying it's not more fasting actually the problem is that the idolizing of obedience gets us to that place and now we need a savior we don't need obedience. We need a savior. And he steps into that place if you want him to. And he comes and saves us. Paul put, it like, Paul put it like this in Acts chapter 14. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You want to obey? Just understand what you're letting yourself into. Number two. Obedience will not increase your favor with God. And I tried to work around this, but I'm sure this is for your church. And when I say that, I mean it's for you as an individual. And I mean specifically for those of you in this church that are known to be serious about God. Those of you that when it comes to that 21-day fast next year, you're thinking about going all out and not eating anything, and if you could leave out the water, you'll do that as well because you are serious about God. I'm speaking to you, and I need you to know that obedience will not increase your favor with God at all. Verse 19 says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph had favor with God, and therefore he acted obediently. He did not get God's favor because he acted obediently. And you and I act obediently from the place where we have God's acceptance. We should know in our hearts that he is pleased with us, and therefore we obey. If you do it the other way around, you will be a Pharisee. You're trying to please him with your works. There is a great danger in obeying. Can I say that from, from a pulpit? There is a great danger 
in obeying. The danger is this, that you obey your relationship with God better rather than trust it better. I just want to say that again. The danger in obedience is that you want to obey your relationship with God better and not trust it better. That you and I want to depend on what we've been doing the last week or so and not depend on what Jesus did while he walked the earth. And so Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I don't want to have a righteousness or not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, whether it's the biblical law or whether it's your own law. Whether it's your own law of what time you should get up in the morning, how much you should pray, how many people you should share the gospel with. We create our own laws. We do that because we are insecure and that God loves us irrespective of our obedience or not. He loves us. And so we create our own laws. We try to live up to these laws. And when we complete and fulfill these laws, we feel that we are right before God. And when we don't fulfill this, we just feel kind of depressed. You've got to start all over again. So Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, the danger in obedience is that we become like Pharisees, that are moral people, they live such moral, right lives. Everything looks good, but it is dependent on our obedience and not on Jesus' obedience. Mark 1 verse 11. For those of you that are now listening, because I'm speaking to you, you're listening attentively, I need you to take note of this. Mark chapter 1 verse 11. A voice came from heaven. So this is God speaking. A voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. God said that to Jesus. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, what happened is that Jesus took all your sins upon himself and he put all his righteousness upon you. And therefore, God is pleased with you, whether you obey or not. Whether you obey or not. Whether you haven't read your Bible for a month because you're angry at God and no one knows about it, He still loves you. That's why we obey from who we are, from the fact that God loves us. We respond and say, here's my heart back. My heart now shows that I I love you. I value you. Now I obey. God is pleased with us before we do anything. And whatever we do cannot add to how he favors us. If you want to impress God, don't trust in your obedience. Trust in Christ's obedience. You want to impress him? You want to impress him? Stop doing things. Start trusting in things. God, I'm going to impress you. I want to have more favor with you. And therefore, I'm going to believe that you love me. I'm going to believe this morning, even though I did something last night that I know I shouldn't have done, I'm going to believe this morning that you still love me the same way. Believe your relationship with God right. Stop working your relationship with God right. That's what he wants to tell us. Believe it right. Put in the work. Trust the word. Trust that Jesus' works was enough. His obedience was enough. And say, I'm going to trust in that. We have the tendency, I have it in my life, that when I, I don't feel that close to God, I'm going to go do something about it. I don't know, what, whatever it could be. Maybe put on, put on some worship, worship music. Um, maybe go read a, a verse in the Bible. 
I've got a tendency when I don't feel close to God to want to go do something to feel closer to God. What he is inviting us to is to go and believe something about Jesus. That the intimacy that Jesus had, it is mine. Christ is in me. How much closer should he get? He's inside of me. He's inside of you. The problem is not with doing more. It is with believing more. Obedience will not increase your favor with God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness be feeling that I feel, I'm feeling that I'm right with God, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Christ died for nothing if there is anything that you can do to feel that you are closer to God. I need you to get this. I'm sure that God wants to communicate this to someone. If you think there's anything that you can do to get closer to God, there's a danger to that that you're saying Christ died for nothing because I'm going to do something here that's going to get me closer to God. We need to believe our relationships right with God, not work it right. Thirdly, obedience should not be what you keep track of. Yes, I say Aish as well. You know, Paul was a Pharisee and Jesus used him. And I, man, I've been a Pharisee as a Christian. And I'm hoping that Jesus will use me as well. But I used to draw up an Excel spreadsheet. And then keep track of how I performed in certain areas of my life. I would keep track of how many people I shared the gospel with or when last I, I sinned in a specific way. Can you imagine the liberating experience when in my life I discovered that that is not how God looks at me, that I should not be keeping track of my obedience? And so all of those Excel sheets, they're on my computer. <laughs> Sometimes I want to go there and see how, how I've improved on them, but I resist the temptation. So, so let me just get into this. Obedience should not be what you keep track of. Verse 20 says, speaking about Joseph, but as he considered these things to now divorce his wife, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear and take Mary as your wife. Yes, Joseph obeyed three times. Three times. Let's keep track of that. But God had to intervene three times to cause him to obey. An angel needed to appear to him. God had to do something. What we need to keep track of is not our obedience three times, rather God's faithfulness in helping us obey three times. How faithful, how faithful is God in saying, this guy is just going to mess up. He wants to divorce this girl because of what people are going to think about him. Let me just help him here. And now Joseph could stand at the end and say, oh man, I was obedient. They're going to preach about me one day. You've only been obedient because God intervened. He needed to send an angel. That's the only reason. So what we should keep count of is saying, he did it again. What? what is it that he did again? 
I want you to hold on to this. What is it that he did again? He worked for you. God worked for you. Friends, so many of us Christians are plagued with an understanding that we need to work for God as if he needs anything from us. The Bible says that God's eyes go to and fro the earth. What does he look for? Obedient people? His eyes go to and throw the earth, looking to show himself strong. He wants to be the hero, which he is. But he's looking for someone that's saying, Lord, I am in a mess. I am stuck in this marriage that I've created myself. And when I mean stuck, this doesn't look the way I want it to look nor my spouse. The intimacy is just not there. Not sexual intimacy. It's just like we're living together, but surely this isn't what you have in mind when you say Jesus should love his wife like brother. You get that picture. Love your wife like Jesus loved the church. It's like we co-inhabit the same house, but there's not intimacy in this relationship like we desire. And so you should keep track of rather God wants to step into that and say I'm going to be here to work for you let me come and rescue your marriage he's not looking for strong people when it comes to your fast next year I hope I'm not messing this up Christopher but when it comes to your fast next year it's not looking for strong people it's not looking for the one that's going to last the longest ever played that game i used to sit with my friends when we fasted just for a week and then we would be on liquids but they would have a smoothie and i'm like man that's milk that's good for your stomach you'll never get hungry when you drink milk i'm only drinking water yes i win this round and so you and i should keep track of the fact that god is going to look at people next year in that fasting time and he's going to say, who needs my help to get through one day? And he's going to reach into your life. And he's going to say, let me show myself strong. We had a lady in our church in Fixburg that wanted to fast with us a few years ago when we fasted for seven days. Um, but she couldn't because she struggled with diabetes. So how do you fast? You guys know, you, you can't do it. She wanted to do that so so desperately that she prayed and said lord help me she fasted for seven days a person with diabetes it's a miracle god god's looking for that who needs a miracle who is just so stuck in the circumstances that you've created for yourself he wants to step into that and he wants to come and help that we should be keeping track of him coming in and being the hero so here's a few more scriptures regarding that first corinthians chapter 10 says if you think you are standing firm be careful that you don't fall anyone thinking that because you've obeyed many times you're standing firm yeah we do think like that because i've resisted this temptation so many times i'm not going to give in to this temptation i'm standing firm anyone thinking that you can stand firm enough enough and not commit adultery be careful i want to warn you this morning if you think that you're standing firm 
lest you fall. It is not because you've been so faithful in obeying God when it comes to this aspect that you'll keep on standing firm. He carries on and he says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He is the one that's going to come in and help you stay faithful to your spouse. Your obedient track record isn't what you should be looking at when you think about future obedience. Romans 7 says, I have the desire to do what is right. You know this, but not the ability to carry it out. I, I want to be obedient, but I can't do it. This is what Paul says. I want to be obedient. In what area do you want to be obedient? Let me tell you what the Bible says. You can't do it. You can't. You can't do it. You can't overcome pornography. You can't give more finances than you, that you currently giving wherever you're giving you can't do it so paul says i want it i want to do the right thing i want to be obedient but i can't do it and rightly he says wretched man that i am what a mess i'm pathetic i'm just that's what he says i'm a mess who will save me from this and the answer is thanks be to god through jesus keep a track of that keep a record of him stepping in and being the hero in the story it will encourage you to obey more thank you for doing this lord you can help me do the next thing now empower me to do the next thing the empowerment the ability to obey is not inside of ourselves it's in him it's in him keep a track record of that it will encourage you when you see how he has enabled you to obey and then you can say come on jesus you can do this here you can help me to obey here keep a record of that Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord are to and throw. I've read this. To show himself strong to those who trust in him. Acts 17 verse 25. God is not served by human hands. As if he needed anything. But he himself gives life and breath and everything. Everything includes obedience. See, there's a, a danger in being obedient and that is becoming prideful because we have obeyed who gives obedience it's crazy hey many times i think so why doesn't he help me be obedient more because he gives it there's a passage uh, in genesis where abraham gave up his wife to abilamech uh, another king and he was scared that he was going to be killed because of her and he said take my wife and you can basically sleep with her and then God came to this king and he said, I'm going to destroy you because you've got another man's wife. And he said, God, but I didn't know anything about it. This guy, this king, Abilamech, I didn't know anything about it. And God replied, Genesis 20 verse 6, I have kept you from sinning against me. I have kept you from sinning against me. God keeps you from sinning. The pride and keeping record of you not sinning will cause you to fall into it because God will have to say, now, now go for it. Go, go see how far you can get not to sin in an area. And that is why so many times Christians end up in a place where we say, how on earth did I get here in this much disobedience? What does it do? It humbles you. Because that's what he wants from us. He gives obedience. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. That's why Paul can say, I worked harder than all of them. Let's just put that into our context. I obeyed more than all of them. Yet not I, 
but the grace of God that worked in me. If you obey more than anyone else, it is simply a testimony to God's grace working in your life. And that you should keep track of. So what do we do with this? I once heard someone say, if you preach and you don't have an application, you've wasted people's time. What do you do with this? I wish I could sing like Christopher. Like, then I would sing this truth that is in a song. Maybe you guys can sing it. I can't, so I can't lead you in this. But the words go like this. Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. You see that order? Trust that he will do it. And then comes the obedience. If you want to have a, a longevity in your obedience, you want to finish strong, you need to have a, a right mindset. That you need to trust in the work of Jesus to please God, not yours. You need to keep a record of what God is doing in your life. Trust in Him. That's my call to you this morning. Somehow, I don't know if this is going to come out right, but I want to say stop just obeying for the sake of your own records. Stop doing that. He's not looking for that. That might be why you're so frustrated in areas of your life. Trust Him and obey. And there's no other way to be happy because we want to be happy in Jesus. We are called to be happy in Jesus. To glorify Him and to be happy in Jesus. Now, I want to pray for you, but don't be too spiritual and bow your head or do anything like that. Don't, there's nothing you can do now. Let me just pray for some of you guys and ladies to be delivered from a wrong mindset. So Lord, here we are, victims to our sin, and there's no one else to blame. It doesn't matter in which house we live, it doesn't matter who the people around us are, we are victims to our own sin. God, and we've created messes in our lives. We love you, but we create so many messes in our lives. I pray that you will do what only you can do. Come and show yourself as the hero. Come and show yourself strong. Lord, come and break that habit that someone has of getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, praying in tongues for 10 minutes, reading your Bible, memorizing verses, and then you're ready for the day to go out. Lord, I pray that through your spirit in love, you will break that habit when it becomes something that someone depends on to be right for the day. And I know there's someone that, that has that. I pray that you will cause us to believe, cause us to trust, cause us to say, well, Jesus obeyed, Jesus did this right, and therefore I'm at a good place with you. Bless this church. Bless our fasting next year, Lord. May it honor you. May we fast in a way that will honor you. I know we're not here for forgiveness in a sense that we're not preaching on that. I just sense God needs to set some people free from unforgiveness as well. 
and you have been trying to forgive and forget but you can't and so here's my invitation stop doing that because only Jesus can do that only Jesus can can help you forgive Lord I pray for those of us that are stuck in habitual sins of any sort be the hero in our story deliver us from this I pray for racism Lord So how do we get this out of our hearts? It's impossible. Only you can do it. Make us, make us a people that love across races, Lord. And lastly, I pray, Lord, for our time with you. As much as we enjoy singing and worship, as much as we enjoy that, help us not to become too dependent on that to experience that you love us and to experience intimacy with you. We should have that. But may we be a people that believe the Bible to have intimacy with you before anything else. We all pray this in the name of Jesus and say, Amen. Amen. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy, Jesus, but to trust and You know, the grace of God is in this place. And uh, I really just want to honor you guys for, for bringing the gospel to us uh, this morning again. And uh, we just, let's stand as we receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. That you work in us to will and to act according to your good pleasure. And Father, this morning we thank you for this family. Thank you for Alex and, and Teresa. Father, we extend all our blessing and grace, Lord, upon them, Lord, as they, as they minister to us this morning, as they go back on holiday, Lord God. We pray that you will multiply the work that you are doing in their hearts, Lord God. We thank you for the fruit of their labors, Lord God, to be abundant to the glory of God. We thank you for that, Lord. And Father, we celebrate you this morning. We thank you for a wonderful week. We declare your blessing over your people. May the Lord bless you. May he cause you to believe the gospel. May he cause you to put your trust in Jesus. And may he cause you to grow in love and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.